fucking what the hell? No, but it's a joke, really. Yeah, speaking about my mom again. No, 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 that's unacceptable. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. Hello and welcome to This Cannot Be Serious, uh, dive into the weird and wonderful world of tennis. It's been a huge week at Monte Carlo, the Masters. Joe, did you manage to catch any of it? Yeah, I watched, uh, watched a couple of the uh, the big talking point matches, I suppose, um, but uh, we'll get into that. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I caught a bit of it. Um, it's, I, I suppose, can you think, I always think with Monte Carlo, can you think of a more spectacular setting in tennis? No, I mean, it's just, you can hear in the background constantly, like the hyper supercars whatever you call them like in the background yeah um the the coastal line i mean it's just yeah if uh if you think of luxury i can't think of anything higher than monte carlo to be honest no they're definitely more iconic settings but in terms of like spectacular tennis settings i don't think i don't think you get really much better no um but it, it ended today so um it ended with uh Pass or tits and ass as i like to call them um, taking on uh, Andre Rublev um, in the final, beating six three six three, pretty comfortable. Uh, Sissipas looks looked great throughout throughout the tournament, really. Um, but didn't drop suppose, a set, did he? No, 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 absolutely. So I, I suppose it it kind of puts forward the question: possible winner of the French Open. Uh, you, you know, we've spoken about this so many times until. Until I see this kind of thing happen at a Grand Slam, I just kind of tend to ignore it. I mean, it's a great result for for Sissipas, obviously, and a great result for for Rublev um, taking out Nadal, which which we'll get onto. But I don't know. Uh, you you got to look at this as the first Masters one thousand in a while, especially considering none of the top guys played Miami. So this is. I don't know. I kind of look at this in isolation, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's obviously got a very, he's got a good record at, at Roland Garros. He narrowly was taken out by Novak in obviously the later one last year. That was in five sets in the semi-finals. So I don't know. I think I think I mean it, yeah, as you say, I think it's a, a couple of the big play, players seem off, but obviously they're completely different animals when it comes to the Masters and then the Grand Slams. I suppose that's the big test, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think um, if you're talking about uh, out of Nadal and Djokovic, if you're talking about who else has the best chance, given uh, Dominic Team seems to really be struggling with uh, some sort of injury, uh, I think he pulled out of uh, Belgrade, which is due to start tomorrow. So you have to kind of be a bit concerned about where he's at at this point. So. Uh, actually, outside of those top two guys, I'd probably say Sissipas has the best chance out of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Medvedev's obviously tested positive for for COVID, so wasn't able to play this tournament. I don't know how much longer he'll be out for, but whether that impacts him going into the clay court season as well will be will be interesting to see. Yeah, and he's, um, like he said, he right before the he had an interesting uh, couple days before the tournament actually started i think he uh, said he can't stand clay uh played uh, some warm-up rallies with nadal and then tested positive and had to uh 
go home. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, he, lives, he, lives, he lives in Monte Carlo, doesn't he? I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so I think he, unfortunately, didn't have to travel so far to to rest up. But um, I suppose with uh, it's been a great week for Sissipas, but another person that's been an incredible week for has been Dan Evans. God, yeah, I mean, you've always... Uh, is it fair to say you've always beat the Dan Evans drum? I've championed him on many yeah. occasions, yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, I've always doubted him. Um, but this so he, week... He's, he's in the great He's in the great list of people who are kind of called baby feds. <laughs> because like, of the one-handed backhand. I think it's literally that. It's I think anybody who's got who hasn't got a big power game, who's got a one-handed backhand, is is called kind of Federal light baby fed. <laughs> so you had you had um, Griggle, who was the ultimate baby fed, never quite came to fruition. But Dan Evans definitely feels like it's in that category. I remember Fed Fed's got like interviewed on a number of occasions and been asked what he thinks of it. Like, how do you think? He's like, yeah, he, don't you think he plays quite similar to you? And you can see Fed thinking. Yeah, kind of, but not not a patch on me, and I'm going to absolutely destroy him. Yeah, I, I, we mentioned it a, a couple months ago, but uh, Dan Evans, I think, best chance of beating Ferrer was that Doha match, and he oh, yeah. couldn't quite get over the line. Um, so, but, I mean, yeah. no, amazing, it's still an amazing way to play to play at that level to get to the semi-finals, taking out Novak Djokovic. Um, which in itself was an amazing feat. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of that, but there was seemingly, he talks a lot about, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, we like to see, we like to see Novak not do particularly well. I think that would be fair to say. Of course. Um, but pre-match delaying tactics. Um, it, and uh, Evans came out and said, he kept me waiting at the start of the match the ch- in the change room. And that was a little annoying. So that got me a little extra fired up. Good, good for him. I mean, first top five win ever for him, mm. and he takes out the world number one. Um, and I mean, I couldn't believe this stat when I saw it on Twitter, but uh, I can't remember who he uh, beat in the round prior to Djokovic now. But basically, this week was his first clay court uh, win on an ATP level in four years. Wow. That that just shows you how like bad he's been on clay, and for him to come out and take out Novak Djokovic on clay is yeah amazing. Um, I mean, like I don't I don't care how poorly Novak played in people's opinion. And I didn't think he played that badly. Hmm. He was obviously below par, but I mean that's a that's a hell of an achievement. Absolutely. I mean, it's with with his. I mean, he's got a very very heavy slice backhand. Not your probably the the anti Nadal really in terms of like how you think the amount of whip and topspin that he gets on it. So it's like completely different. I mean, it reminded me a bit of when Tiger Tim Henman got to the semis of Roland Garros a few years back, and somebody who was so unsuited to that surface, yeah. um, but did incredibly well and played a very clever game and and managed to come up with the goods really. But um, yeah, he uh, Djokovic came out and said he's a nice player to watch, so but not so nice to play against. Clay wasn't his surface growing up, but the way he plays on clay, I think he plays in a similar quality level to what he plays on his best surfaces. He's a very good player, no doubt about it. So he was fairly magnanimous, actually, in defeat. Yeah, I mean, uh, which I mean, as much as we like to um, 
criticize him till the cows come home. He usually is fairly magnanimous in, in defeat, isn't he? He's he doesn't tend to blame anyone but himself for the most part. No, it's that's just true. it's just, you know, I just can't stand the way he plays, his behaviour on court you know all, all that kind of stuff but uh one thing that i did f- find interesting was um Sissipas was actually asked shortly after that Djokovic loss um yeah he was asked about it and he said uh, to see Djokovic winning the Australian Open earlier this year was very surprising considering that he claimed to have a serious injury he seems to be doing all right but now in Monte Carlo everyone was surprised with his loss to Evans um, I just thought that was quite a like pretty not subtle jibe at the uh, injury nonsense that took place at the Australian Open earlier this year. Yeah, quite. I mean, also delayed news. It's quite quite a long time ago to kind of have pops, really. Yeah, um, doesn't have a short memory, does uh, does Stefanos? Apparently, he's he's an interesting slash incredibly bizarre individual. Yeah. That is is probably the best way best way to describe it. Um, but it, Djokovic is. I mean, we've given Serjan Djokovic props. Um, this is Novak's dad. Props on the program for his uh, various things that he said over the last few weeks, which have been been incredible. But I think Djokovic came out and distanced himself from his his father's comments this week. Oh, that's good. Um, I think he was saying to the worst of the effect that that guy does not speak for me. So fair enough. Um, credit where credit's due. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think there was huge expectations on Rafa to win um, as as well, probably this week, uh, taken out by the ultimate grunter in uh, Andre Rublev. Yeah, that uh, I, I did. I watched all of that match um, and the scoreline flatters Nadal, to be honest. That match could have easily been 6-2-6-2. Rublev had, I don't know how many breakpoint chances in that second set to go up, like to to double, maybe triple break at one point. I don't don't even remember. He he was that dominant. Um, And then, yeah, Nadal came back a little bit and you could tell Rublev was getting a bit tight on on the big moments. Um, but then in that third set, Rublev just like seemingly forgot what happened in the second set completely and just played his game and pretty much wiped Rafa off the court. Yeah, which is impressive. I mean, it is it is still such a mental hurdle to think you can overcome a great like Nadal on clay, you know, so I... I imagine that was that was the forefront of his mind. I didn't actually watch the match, but I understand his, his serving was absolutely abysmal. He, he, you know, it reminded me so much uh, from a couple of years ago. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Monte Carlo there as well. But uh, the Nadal uh, Fabio Fognini match, where um, Nadal was just, you know, you caught glimpses of of Nadal, but for most of the match, it was just him like struggling to make shots that should be routine to him yeah um and i I guess my my question for you is who should be more concerned with the outcome of this week nadal or Djokovic? um i think probably probably 
Nadal just because I think there's a huge expectation that he's going to win Roland Garros and in terms of the trying to get to the I mean ending up as the number one player for a number of slams one this is kind of the one he needs to get in the bank I think Novak can kind of win other ones you know obviously won multiple times in Australia Wimbledon will be a great opportunity for him Nadal kind of needs to win this if he's going to be up there at the end um yeah but I think I think I mean it goes to it goes to the debate that we were kind of having earlier like to what extent do the masters make a massive difference in these guys when it comes to the slams it's completely yeah. different and Nadal over five sets on clay uh in Philip Chatrier is a completely different animal to playing him in Monte Carlo over best of three sets where he's kind of just coming back into form. So yeah, I, 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 I suppose the, the long answer to that question is I wouldn't be really concerned about either of them, but um, probably Nadal more than Djokovic really. What See, do you I, I, I'd go the opposite um, yeah. and not really because of, I think you've got to look at the quality of opponents. Um, I think losing to Rublev is you know, Rublev's one of those up-and-coming players who, at his best, is capable of taking out anyone. Mm. Um, I don't really care who you are. I think losing to Dan Evans on clay, even though he had a great week, I think is a worst result. Look, um, David Goffin in the next round. Yeah, he, he did uh, take out Goffin. Like like I said, he, he had a really good week, um, regardless. But I also, going back to, I think it was 2019, looking at how Nadal looked at the early portion of that clay season. And then I think he played Djokovic in the Rome final, uh, which is the tournament just before Roland Garros. And he was back to his usual self. Yeah. So I, and like you got, this was his first tournament since Australia. Mm. Like that's a, that's a long time to not play a competitive tennis match. Yeah. So I think Nadal has plenty of time. He's done it in the past to to get right for for the French. And I think Djokovic will be fine as well because in his defense, he didn't play Miami either. So he probably hasn't played since maybe February. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think both both will be fine at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't think I think if if Nadal, sorry, if, if Djokovic is playing Dan Evans at Roland Garros in say the third or fourth round, I don't think he's going to be too concerned. Really, no, I agree. One um, one other kind of comment that I wanted to bring up was uh, poor. You mentioned Ibalia, poor baby fad Grigor. Um, he got he got breadsticked six one six one by Nadal. I think in the round prior to the Rublev match. Well, is bread, um, breadsticks that's a is that is that a common phrase apparently so i'm enjoying it that sounds good yeah uh when you lose six one that's a that's a breadstick so he got double breadsticked yeah um is it breadstick bagel if it's six one six love uh yeah so they call a yeah six love is a bagel uh six one is a breadstick um sometimes i think maybe in this country we refer to the six love sometimes as a donut yeah um, but you know, whichever is your preference. Um, but, uh, and this, <laughs> I saw this come across Twitter and, uh, it was transcribed from Nadal's obviously fairly broken English. Um, but he was interviewed after that Dimitrov match. Um, and he said, uh, sorry for Grigor. He played a very bad match. That's the truth. I did the right things, but this score is his fault. 
And I read, I read that and I'm thinking, I, I know what this looks like, but he can't have meant it like that because, you know, it's Nadal and, and we know he's not like that. Uh, yeah. So I, I did track down the video and he's kind of saying it in like a, you know, he felt bad for him kind of way, but, you know, his English isn't so great. I just, yeah, some 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 of Nadal's comments are fantastic. They're, yeah. they're like overly brutal. Like, yeah. What do you, do you mean? He just didn't play. He just didn't play well, and exactly. partly was he played okay, but the other guy just on the other side was the exactly fault. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. But I did enjoy uh, this score. Is his fault? Yeah, that is uh, excellent. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, there was another. There was a comment from Nadal after he lost to um, the Ultimate Grunter. And I really did. I did like it because I really like it where professional tennis players say something that's so familiar to anybody who's just played recreational tennis. He said, serving like this, this is how bad he was serving. The serve creates an impact on the rest of the game. When you serve with no confidence, you're just focusing on trying to serve, not thinking about how you want to hit the ball. You just think about what you have to do with the serve to put the ball in. And I, the, the number of times where I've had, I mean, I've had games of double faults. It still haunt me to this day. And you just think all I have to do is just get the ball in and you can't, and then you have to hit your second shot. And it's like, it's a volley that goes straight into the net. And you're like, <sighs> just so frustrating. And I just found that so sobering, the idea that somebody of Nadal's quality could face the same problems is. It makes you feel better like, about your game though, doesn't it? Sorry? It makes you feel better about your game. Absolutely, if, uh, yeah. If the great right, also right, suffer. The tennis circuit. <laughs> he's, uh, he's doing the same thing in Monte Carlo. Fair. Um, I suppose uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, one of our favourite segments, uh, Stump Henry. So, um, I think someone from Roland Garris has potentially been listening to the podcast and has been seeing how well you've been doing with these the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I've had a couple of really stellar weeks. You have. I'm, I'm worried that my, my recent form is going to, is not going to continue. Well, so I, I think to, to combat your run, uh, the French open, uh, came out with a clay court knowledge quiz for oh. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say this isn't like your BBC Wimbledon quiz, like what surface is Wimbledon played on sort of, <laughs> you know, Sunday, Sunday afternoon driver type quiz. This is pretty tough. So, um, there are 15 questions, all multiple choice. Okay. So you, you've got a chance here. Um, and we're just going to go through this live with you and see how many you get out of 15. Okay. Um, so purely clay court stuff, but, uh, here we go. So, uh, how many masters 1000 tournaments are played on clay during a normal season? One, two, or three. Um, so it's three, isn't it? Cause it's Rome, Monte Carlo and Madrid. Okay. Final answer. Yep. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll come to the results at the end. Um, who is the only French player to have beaten Nadal on clay? Joe Wilfred Songa, Olivier Matisse, Matusse, something like that, Paul Henry Mathieu. Um, I've got no idea. I don't recall any any match, but I'm going to go for Paul Henry Mathieu. 
Paul Henry Mathieu. Okay. What's the other what's the name of the second guy? Olivier Mutus, M U T I S. Oh right, okay. Never heard of him. Never heard of him, no. It, it's almost certainly going to be him. <laughs> Probably. Um, I mean, it's getting tougher here, unfortunately. So on the 12th of April, 2021, how many victories had Nadal notched up on clay on the main tour? 415, 445, or 485? I'm going to go... Um, four eight five. Four eight five. Okay. Where did this is quite Nadal uh, heavy, as you can imagine. Mm. Uh, where did Nadal win his first title on clay? Barcelona, Sopot, Roland Garros. Where on earth is Sopot? I have no idea. How do you spell? S O P O T. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd guess, I'd guess Barcelona, but it's, it's again, it's going to be similar to the Matisse. I think it's it's so out there that it's. So, so I think it might be so hot. I'll uh, I'll look look that up in a bit. Um, okay, so Barcelona. I would go for Barcelona as well. To be fair, um, which player has won the most matches on clay since the start of the Open era? Guillermo Villas, Bjorn Borg, Rafa Nadal. It's got to be Nadal, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's got to be. Uh, how many titles has Nadal won on clay? 55, 60, or 65? Um, I'd probably say... Sorry, is it 55? 55, 60, or 65? I'll go I'll go in the middle 60 60 okay uh which female player holds the records for the most titles won on clay since the start of the open era Monica Sellers Chris Evert Steffi Graf I'm gonna go Steffi Steffi Graf which active female player has won the most matches on tour on clay uh Svetlana Kuznetsova Serena Williams Sarah Irani I gotta go Kuznetsova um, at the start of the 2021 season, which female player was at the top of the clay court power ranking created by WTA Insider, which That's takes into saying. account the results on clay over the last five years? Jesus, Roland Garros. Um, <laughs> Simona Halep, Kiki yeah. Burton's, Iga Swiatek. Uh, I think it's got it's got to be Simona. I think Simona. I think has been playing that long. Okay, uh, five left for you. How many consecutive victories did Chris ever clinch on clay? Eighty-one, one hundred and eight, one hundred and twenty-five. Eighty-one. This is an interesting one. Which Grand Slam tournaments have been played on clay? Roland Garros and the Australian Open. Roland Garros and Wimbledon. Or Roland Garros in the US Open? I'd guess uh, Roland Garros in the Australian Open. Yeah, it can't be Wimbledon, can it? I don't think so. I think the US Open used to be grass. Okay, that's a good guess. Uh, who is the only player in the current top 10 not to have won a clay tournament? Bruce. Medvedev, Rublev, Berrettini. Um, I presume, I presume it's Medvedev. 
I would also, I would also guess Medvedev. Although I, I can't really remember Berrettini winning much, but no, let's not talk about that guy. <laughs> um, what substance used to prepare a clay court gives it its okra color? Crushed brick, cran, which in brackets it says crushed limestone, clinker, which in brackets says coal residue, or powdered stone. I think it's 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 clinkers. Clinker. Oh, with that coal residue. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, last two. Final answer. How much red clay is required to prepare a court at Roland Garros? Mm. Six hundred and fifty kilos. 1.1 metric ton or 2.3 metric ton? I think the middle one. 1.1. Okay. And finally, what are the two colors of clay currently used on the circuit? Uh, is okra a color? Is because it's ochre, ochre, I think. Is, is it? Is it? Oh, no. Ochre yellowy. Okay. Uh, so ochre and blue. Ochre and green, blue and green. Uh, is it is it ochre and blue? Ochre and blue. Let's let's see. So, how many do you think you got right out of fifteen? How many? Fifteen. Yeah, I reckon I got seven. Uh, it's giving me a percentage. You got thirty-three percent. Ooh. Um, so, so bet, that, yeah, scored worse than that. Yeah, you got one, two, three, four right by the looks of it. Um, so just really quick, uh, French player to beat Nadal on clay, it was Olivier Moutous. Of course it was. Um, and the uh, other one must have been so pot. Yeah, probably. I'll get to that. Uh, Nadal has knocked up uh, four, notched up 445 victories on clay. Uh, Nadal did win his first title on clay in Sobot. Um, Guillermo Villas has won the most matches on clay since the start of the yeah. Open Era. Wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, it was Chris Evert who holds the most titles on clay. Right. Uh, Arani was the active female player who's won the most matches on clay. Really? Uh, you got Halep right. Chris Everett won 125 consecutive victories. The number ones are difficult. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and it was it was Roland Garros in the US Open, which had been clip, paid on, played on clay. Really? Oh, at some point in the blast. Uh, crushed brick, not clinker. Oh, so, I was so positive. And it was ochre and green, not ochre and blue. Ugh. That was a tough. That was that was a that was a tough series, but enjoyable questions. That that was Roland Garros really trying to just screw you over there. Yeah. They'd had enough. Um, Sopot is a city in Poland, by the way. Really? Okay. Um, when is that still a tournament that's ongoing? I doubt it. Um, I have never heard of it. So uh, it looks to be, and well, it's now a challenger tour tournament bmp parabas sopot open yeah i don't know if it was always a challenger they're not getting nadal anymore to play there no unfortunately oh i enjoyed that well i'm looking forward to to next week on stumping henry hopefully i'll be able to perform a little bit better i mean that was tough that was really tough thanks mate um but uh yeah moving on to hubert i think you sent through a press conference with uh with our friend hubert hercat Mm. 
Um, and he went into a press conference after a recent match of his and basically just sat there, um, the, pre- the, the press in front of him, and asked if anybody wanted to ask him a question. And it was dead silence. Um, to the extent that you were like, surely one of, one of the journalists could have just gone, Hubie, how did the match go today? <laughs> like... Really not a complicated like, and it was just really awkward. He was like, he found it. He he took it quite well because I thought it must have been quite embarrassing. Yeah, uh, there's a few conflicting reports on that as to whether journalists were actually told about it and things like that. But regardless, it wasn't a great look for the tournament. No, and it was. Um, it it actually reminded me a little bit. I thought, you know, why didn't a journalist just ask a question? But I don't know if you remember the press conference with. I think it was either. It might have been both. Um, Nicholas Mahu or Thomas Burdick, where they went in and they said, I think I think the journalist said, um, so what? Yeah, congratulations on your win today. What do you think was the the thing behind it? And they were like, you're joking, right? Like, <laughs> that was Burdick. Was it Burdick? Yeah. yeah. And he was like, this guy's joking. It's like, no, no. Does he know we, I lost? And it's just like the the journalist just like tail between their legs. Um, but yeah, that's quite funny. I suppose that's why you probably don't want to go in asking a question unprepared. But I, I thought the general question of how did your match go today would, yeah. have, would have sufficed. I mean, any idiot can ask that, surely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, we've got um, Gunners, Nar- Gunners Warren watch, Gunning for Gunners. Oh. And he's got those reflexes like a mongoose on amphetamines. Do you actually have an update this week? Yeah, we do. So it was, it was the segment was going to turn into searching for gunners um, because we weren't quite sure what was happening with him. But we're pleased to report that he's turned up in a Challenger Tour event in Orlando. Oh. Um, and he won his first round match, or maybe round of 32 match against. He beat Matthew Ebden from Australia 6461 to get into the round of 16. And then he was taken out by somebody we discussed last week, actually, a former Masters 1000. Winner in Jack Sock. Oh, I um, mean, there's no shame to lose to to Sock. Maybe, maybe there is with this this version of Jack Sock. Yeah, um, that's, that's yeah I mean, Sock's, Sock. Uh, he, he served at 87 percent first serve percentage, and I presume I didn't. I'm I'm sorry, sorry to report. I I don't know if we can get a, a feed of the challenge at all. It's tricky. Um, it's tricky. But uh, yeah, eighty-seven percent first serve percentage from Jack Sock is going to be is going to ultimately take you out, take out most people. So he lost sadly, lost six four six three in the round of sixteen to 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 Jack. But he's um, fortunately he's 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 back on the tour event. So he's playing in Tallahassee next week. Oh, good! Um, and he'll Doing be playing against uh, Pedro Sakamoto from Brazil. Um, so I don't know if he's somebody you're familiar with. Um, no, he is not. Um, but a great opportunity for for Gunners to get back on the horse and uh, and uh, and put himself into the next round. But uh, excited to see him back. That's good. Um, I'm wondering if he, since he's in Florida and he was in Orlando, do you reckon he went to Disney World at all? Very possible. I like Very to think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I like to think he had some. I mean, he, what I would say, he seems to have had quite a lot of time off. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if it was licensed for him to. To to give himself more time off, but uh, sure. yeah, I I hope I hope he let his hair down and enjoyed enjoyed that victory against Matthew Ebden and 
maybe could commiserate after his his defeat to Jack Sock. But yeah, lovely to see him back certainly, and um, yeah, looking to see how he get on gets on in Tallahassee. Um, Absolutely. But uh, there's some updates on Fed. Yeah, actually, just before uh, just before we came on the air, if uh, you can call recording a podcast that, which I don't think you can, um, he announced that he would play Geneva and Roland Garros. Um, seemingly to be his only two clay court tournaments uh, this year. Uh, earlier this week, it was announced that he wasn't in the Rome uh, entry list. Uh, he was in the Madrid entry list, but obviously that's not going to happen now. So he's shunning the ATP 1000 clay tournaments to participate in the 250 in Switzerland. And then he'll just go straight to uh, to the French after that, which... Um, yeah, uh, not all that surprising, really, um, but nice to have confirmation uh, when he's next going to play. Yeah, any news on kind of fitness levels and how he's been playing and training? Or No, like they are notoriously quiet when it comes to that sort of thing. They don't tend to put out videos or, uh, you know, Lubacic or Lucy giving interviews about where he's at for the most part so yeah your guess is as good as mine really i guess we'll uh we'll see in about a month's time or so yeah got to be low expectations going into roland garris for fed though no yeah you would think um and i i gotta think if he's playing the french given the close proximity to um something like Halle, which i believe is due to start the following day uh, you've got to think that they're probably thinking he m- probably won't w- make the second week. Yeah. Um, but I think I think at some point, regardless of surface, you just need to have matches, especially at the Grand Slam level, if you're hoping to do some damage at Wimbledon. Yeah. Well, hopefully he's um, yeah he's back fully fit, able to. Yeah, have a good run at Roland Garros, and uh, yeah, I think obviously the the. It's the grass court season that's going to be big, big for him. So hopefully he's going in there with some good form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got, um, I believe, Belgrade starting tomorrow as well as Barcelona. So most of the top players are split fairly evenly between the two. I think uh, Djokovic is playing uh, Belgrade, as you'd imagine, and Barcelona, uh, Nadal is playing Barcelona, as you'd imagine. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how those two bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'd be really interesting. Um, I, you'd expect the more matches they play on clay, the better they'll get and the more momentum they'll want going into those big tournaments. So, yeah, expect to see them play pretty well this week and hopefully go deep and and make the tournaments really, really interesting for everybody to watch, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's that's all for this week. But thanks very much for for joining us on This Cannot Be Serious. Um, If you like the show, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. We'll be back again next week to to reflect on Barcelona, Belgrade and, and all matters in the world of tennis. But in the meantime, it's a goodbye from me and a goodbye from Joe. See you later. Thank you all, guys, because your energy tonight... I won because of you.